Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. Oh, and by the way, as you listen to this episode from the audiobook The Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud, keep in mind you can download your very own copy of it by visiting www.audible.com. And you can find the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven on Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. On today's first episode, we'll bring you chapters one and two of The Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud. And each week, we'll take a visit to Jenny's Corner, where we'll get to hear from Jenny Cody herself, the creator of the Epic Order of the Seven. Jenny will give us the inside scoop on all her stories, her inspiration, how she comes up with these great ideas, and much more. And she'll read letters from her loyal listeners, maybe even yours. Well, let's get started, shall we? Here's Max and Liz. Max! Max! Did you hear that? Ah! How could I not hear? Liz, for a wee kitty, you sure can raise a rocket lass. I am sorry, Max, but I am so excited, I cannot help myself. Well, what's got you so riled up, then? Our new podcast. A what? Podcast, Max. Our audiobook, The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud. Aye. It is now a podcast, and we get to be the hosts, uh, and the hostess. Uh, sounds good, lass, but if we're hosting it, how many guests are we expecting, then? Who knows? Hundreds, uh, maybe thousands. Oh, that'll be a lot of doggy treats and, and bowls of water. And, well, and how are they all fitting the house? And no, what no, are no, gonna... no, no, Max. Our visitors aren't coming over. Well, that's a relief. They're not angry with us, I hope. <laughs> no, silly. They will be online. The podcast is sent to them via the Internet. Oh, then we're broadcasting them to their phones and laptops and whatnot. Oui, mon ami. Each week, we will share a chapter or two of the audiobook. I think I'm starting to catch on. And then we can tell them all about what was happening and what we were thinking and, and, and feeling. Oh, it'll be a grand time. And Miss Jenny will join us each week. Oh, Miss Jenny Cody. Oh, she's the bunny writer lass that comes up with all of our grand adventures. Oh, everyone's going to love her. Oui. So, Max, uh, let's get started with chapters one and two. Well then, for those of you listening, you'll want to find a comfy chair and get settled in real good. For that first chapter will get you first standing right on end. Oh, now, Max, it was not so scary. <laughs> Maybe not to you, but that's because it happened to me. Well, here is chapter one of The Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud, entitled A Dark Night. The roar of thunder was deafening. The ground itself seemed to shake from the angry skies lashing out above. Nothing was beyond the reach of the storm. The lightning cracked in all directions, looking like the skeleton of a dead tree in the sky. The shadows of the unknown appeared for brief moments at a time, taunting him, serving only to make the dark night more terrifying. Why did dark shadows grow larger than their otherwise normal objects, turning them into grotesque beasts? He was breathless as he bolted out from under a tree after lightning struck nearby. The lightning was after him, or so he thought. He ran until his lungs ached from the effort. 
Where was he running? He knew of no safe place out here, but he reasoned that if he kept running, he was at least doing something to preserve his life. The rain blew sideways, stinging his eyes in a blinding fury. The thunder continued to jeer at him, laughing at his perilous condition. He tripped on an unseen rock and landed face first in a bog of slimy mud that covered the right side of his head. He tried desperately to shake the mud off as his feet sank into the dark, thick muck. He panicked as he struggled to free himself of its cold clutches. Finally, he broke loose and ran into the night. The storm had an ally in its terrorizing pursuit. In the distance, he heard the unmistakable howls of a pack of wolves on the chase. His heart was now thumping overtime in his chest. The blood-curdling growls of the wolves came closer. He could hear them panting as the gap narrowed between them. He felt immense fear, knowing he was surrounded. There was no way out. They were closing in. Suddenly, the ground beneath him disappeared, and he was in midair for a split second as he fell off the rock face. Violently, he rolled along the rocky slope, hitting every outcropping on the way down. He felt a searing pain in his left leg before he landed with a breath-stealing thud on the hard ground below. He could feel the warm blood oozing from his leg that was now serving to arouse the wolves. They smelled his blood and sensed his fear. A jagged bolt of lightning lit up the dark sky, followed by a violent boom of thunder. The instant flash illuminated three scowling wolves looking down at him. They growled, teeth snarling and pungent breath stinking up the air around them. Their yellow eyes stared menacingly at him. There was nowhere else to run. Even if he could have run away, he was cut off. He knew it. And they knew it. The leader of the pack lifted his head high, nose turned toward the sky. He howled at the storm to declare victory and the end. Max, wake up, lad. Did you hear me then? Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Where was he? Wait. His leg. The wolves. The storm. What was happening? His heart was still racing. He was wet, but not from the rain. He was sweating. He looked around and listened. All he heard was the sound of crickets, with an occasional frog answering back. Everything else was still. Not even a breath of wind blew. The dark night wasn't over, but at least all was calm, and he was exactly where he was supposed to be. He breathed a sigh of relief and rolled over. Morning couldn't come soon enough. Ah, remembering that night still gives me the willies. Oh, I don't blame you, mon ami. That was intense. Aye, and the next morning started out just grand. But? But it turns out it were just as strange as the dream were scary. Hmm, let's find out what Max is talking about with Chapter 2, A Mysterious Wind.
The morning mist was unusually thick as Max stepped out of his cozy burrow and walked down to the loch. The wetness settled lightly on his wiry black fur, but made Max feel soggy as he walked through mist that he liked to call land clouds. He imagined he was walking on air, high above the ground. He liked that feeling, for he was a small animal. His short, stocky build made him quick and strong, but kept him low to the ground, the heights out of reach. Max trotted along the dewy moss, smiling as he wondered if clouds were as soft as the lush green turf of Scotland. Beads of mist ran down his large square head. Aye, if only I could sip enough of this mist off me head, I could skip the long walk to the loch. Ah, well enough. It's always good to trot the glen. The forest was buzzing with the dawn of a new day. Max breathed in the woodsy air as he trotted down the well-worn path his scruffy paws had made. His daydream of cloud walking was interrupted as he looked up. He couldn't help but notice how incredibly small he was under the towering hardwood trees. He wondered what the view must be like from up there. Birds must have the life, thought Max. Aye, but the maker gave me plenty. To be a Scottish terrier is a grand thing. Sometimes it bothered Max that he was so small, but he was brave enough, he reasoned. Max was rarely frightened. Indeed, there were only two things that scared Max, but they were guarded secrets known by only one other animal. What spooked most creatures didn't faze Max. In fact, he looked forward to a challenge. His characteristic deep-throated growl let others know when something was amiss. Max's pointy, bushy ears would perk up attentively. His fur would rise along the back of his spine to the tip of his short tail. Max was the eyes and ears of the forest, definitely the finest watchdog in all of Scotland. The glen was his territory, and he saw to it that no invader brought harm to those who trusted him. He came from a long line of protectors. The Bruce clan were good stock. Max could pick up the faintest scent with his long nose. He would chase, corner, and capture the swiftest of pesky small creatures, but often he wondered what would happen if he came face to face again with a mighty beast. Would he be up for the challenge? Max's recurring dream made him ponder many things. There was no denying his braveness, but even more so, there was no denying his heart. Max had an undying sense of loyalty to his fellow creatures and a remarkable tenderness as well. So although he could be gruff as protector, he was gentle as friend. It was often said that Max wore the joy of his heart on the outside. The warmth in his deep brown eyes let others know he could be trusted. One could not help but be happy around Max as he smiled, his white teeth showing in a continually open grin. Because of his bravery around the forest and his big heart, Max became known as Maximilian Braveheart the Bruce. He would always help the lost baby rabbit who wandered away from its mother. If a turtle rolled down the hill, Max would push it back up the hill again. Sometimes the young calves would chase butterflies across the hillside and become disoriented, and Max would guide them back to their herd. His strong jaws frequently pulled frightened sheep out of the bogs. And of course, there was special help for the old goat that grazed the lush green hillsides just outside the forest up above the loch. Gilliman was his name, a ripe old mountain goat who had wandered this countryside for many years. Sometimes Gilliman's age showed because of his poor eyesight. 
At times, he would mistake one cave for another, thinking it was his own, only to find an upset mother fox telling Gilliman to find his own cave. Max regularly guided Gilliman back home, and Gilliman guided Max in the ways of life. Max was deeply indebted to Gilliman. When Max was a puppy, Gilliman was the one who found him one night when he roamed to the edge of the glen. Perhaps this is why Max felt the tug on his heart to help other lost creatures. He knew how bad it felt to be lost, and he knew how wonderful it felt to be found. This encounter long ago started a friendship that became stronger with the passing seasons in the glen. The mist lifted as Max left the forest. Today the sun was up over the horizon, and beams of light burned the moisture out of the air. Ah, well enough. I'll enjoy the sun while it chooses to warm the glen. It will hide soon, said Max. At the edge of the forest was a wide opening onto the fields of the glen. The hillsides looked like waves of green, dappled with rocks. Max smiled and paused to appreciate the vast expanse in front of him before he took off running across the fields to the loch. The wide open valley made him feel free as his short legs took him lightning fast across the meadow, the brisk breeze blowing in his face. As Max approached the loch, he noticed the reeds at the waterline vigorously blowing in the wind. They seemed to be bowing down to touch the surface of the water. It was a strange sight because the flowers and grass next to the reeds barely moved. Only the reeds appeared to be caught in the path of the wind. Curious, Max slowed his trot to a cautious walk. The rising sun was now shining brilliantly on the water, like diamonds, blinding Max. He squinted as he walked over to the bank for a closer inspection. The reeds then began to hum. "'Tis a strange sight this is,' said Max out loud to no one. "'Now, what could be causing such a thing? The wind's got the reeds to blow and even hum!' The reeds grew along the spot of the loch where Max usually got a drink of water. He walked to the water line, and his paws sunk slightly in the cool mud. He lapped the cold, fresh water that soon soaked his chin. The reeds began to blow harder and hum even more loudly, this time in varied tones. Some sounded high, some sounded low, but they hummed in harmony. Suddenly the reeds bent over Max's large ears and hummed what seemed to be a single word. Calm. Max's head snapped up at attention as his spine stiffened, and a growl rumbled in his throat. Who said that? The only reply came from the humming reeds. Calm. 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 Max darted his gaze from right to left, shaking the water from his chin onto the clan tartan plaid collar tied around his neck. He wondered if one of the young lake rats was hiding in the reeds, teasing him. Aye, I know you're in there. Come out, we rat. No answer. No creature to be found. Just the reeds blowing in the wind, continuing to hum. Calm. 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 Max stared quizzically at them, water still dripping from the black fur on his chin. Aye, I do not know how this is happening, but I like the sound of the reeds. What a thing to hear the music they make. Hum. Windpipes, I think I'll be calling them. What a grand Scottish instrument, said Max. 
He resumed lapping the water, enjoying the sound swirling around him. Suddenly, there came three unmistakable words emanating from the reeds. Come to me. The harmonious hum of the reeds had become one voice, speaking with authority. Max was not easily frightened, so although this was curious, he remained brave as he answered the voice. Who are you, and where is it you want me to come? The voice simply replied, Come to me. Aye, I heard you the first time, but who are you, and where exactly do you want me to come? said Max, feeling flustered with the voice. The nearby birds scattered as the reeds slapped the water and the voice replied, Follow the fire cloud. Max blinked and looked in the sky, yet saw nothing but clear blue skies, not a cloud in sight, which was unusual in Scotland. There's no fire cloud, not even a white cloud in the sky. And why would I follow it, even if it were there? replied Max. Come to me was the only reply as the wind suddenly died down to a soft breeze, causing the reeds to stand up tall, straight, and silent once more. Max looked around. He was the only creature in sight. I got to find Gilliman, Max thought, as he took off running from the lock to the hillside above. He trotted through the swaying wildflowers that tickled his nose with their sweet fragrance. Higher and higher, Max climbed, until he reached the uppermost ridge of the glen. Max, come to the fire cloud! All right, Kitty, you had your fun then. <laughs> anyway, that concludes our book reading for today. That wind must have been scary too. Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But I wasn't afraid. I were just a wee bit confused. Who ever heard of a talking wind? We, oui, but I am equally interested in the one you call uh, Gilliman. I can't wait to hear more about him. Well, lass, I'm afraid you'll just have to wait then. But why, Max? Because it looks like we're saving that for next week, Liz. Oh, episode two. I mean, two. <laughs> right now, though, we have another special treat. Madame Jenny Coty is with us. She is the author of this book and many, many more. Aye, <laughs> she's quite a writer then. So let's all go to Jenny's corner. Miss Jenny, tis your turn, lass. Great job, Max and Liz. That was really epic. Hey, everybody, Jenny Cody here, and welcome to the very first Epic Order of the Seven podcast. I am so glad that you're here hanging out with me today, and I hope you're going to tune in every week. You're going to really enjoy the audio version of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud performed by the fabulous Denny Brownlee. So I thought I might spend a minute giving you a little behind-the-scenes nugget of how the whole series came to be. Where did Max and Liz come from? Well, Max and Liz were my real pets. I had a Scottish Terrier named Max, a black cat named Liz. And one morning, I was sitting in a red chair having my quiet time. And Max and Liz were just playing on the floor, and they were running around and chasing each other and kind of play fighting as dogs and cats tend to do. And I sat there and looked at them, and I thought, hmm, when did dogs and cats first get on each other's nerves? And I thought, oh, maybe when they were cooped up on Noah's Ark for a year. And then it was like, bing, the floating light bulb appeared above my head, and I thought, hmm, what would that look like? 
And so this idea of the animals heading to Noah's Ark from all over the world came to me. And of course, I was like, well, Maximilian Braveheart the Bruce would have to come from Scotland. And what would that look like? And so the book just rushed into my heart and my mind, and it just, I couldn't write fast enough. And then I decided, well, what about Liz? And of course, I love France, and Lisette Briant was actually named for my French ancestors, the Briant from Normandy, France. And so that's where she came from. And so the story just was truly divinely inspired. God led me on an adventure myself of telling this beloved epic story from Genesis about the great flood and Noah's Ark. And he inspired me in such a way to tell the story to remain true to the events that really happened while weaving in a perspective maybe that you have never considered. What about the story of Noah's Ark from the animal's point of view? So I hope you're going to get on board and enjoy this fun adventure and all the while remember that this really happened. The account of the animals coming from all over the world to reach Noah, who had built this ark. It took him a year to build it. And along with his family, eight people stuck aboard this boat that was 450 feet long, three decks high, stuck on board for how long? How long do you think? A lot of people think 40 days and 40 nights, but it only rained 40 days and 40 nights. Okay, the answer is they were stuck on board a year. Yeah, so what would that look like? And as I started thinking about all this, the book started coming together. So I won't spoil it for you, but there's some magical things that I came up with for how to make this a really fun cruise aboard Noah's Ark. But I'd like to hear from you on what you would like to know, whether it's about the Ark the Reed and the Fire Cloud, about any of the animals in the book. So let me hear from you this week. Uh, send me a line, Jenny at epicorderofthe7.com. Send me a letter. Send me a note. I would love to read your, uh, your notes and your questions and to put that on the next podcast. Or you can post something on the Jenny L. Cody Facebook page, and I'll take it from there. And I'll leave you with something that Gilliman, the team leader of the Epic Order of the Seven, always told Max, and I always will tell you, know that you're loved and that you're able. And now you know some of the heart behind her amazing stories. Thank you, Jenny. Well, that wraps things up for today's podcast. I hope you'll join us again next time for episode two, when we will bring you chapter three of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud, entitled simply, Gilliman. We'll find out all about that special character. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. And for all the amazing books by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of The Epic Order of the Seven, log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. Have a grande! Bonjour!